Gratitude is riches and complaint is poverty. On Friday, Rhonda and I were privileged to attend the school program. Uh, three of our own kids were there in the school program and they had important parts. There was singing, there was a little bit of speechifying. Who doesn't want to hear the kindergartners? The theme was Thanksgiving and each child was asked, what are you thankful for? So I learned that Benjamin is thankful for doctors. So we know who his favorite uncle is. <laughs> I learned that Amelia is thankful for her baby sister. And I learned that Asher is thankful for his family and the beach. I was just glad it was in that order. Gratitude is riches, and complaint is poverty. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears to hear your truth. Lord, show us what we need to see. Tell us what we need to hear. Work on our hearts, what we need to feel and respond to you in love. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I have some important messages for you in regards to Thanksgiving. First, if the Apostle Paul were here today, I think he would have an important message to us about Thanksgiving. I think he would like the American practice of setting aside one day out of every year to thank the Lord for all that he's done. But he might say, just one day? But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is his first letter to the church at Thessalonica. Paul is going to give us five ways that we can know the will of God. And this is all in relationship to thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 22. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Verse 15. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. In a sense, the Apostle Paul is with us today, and he's speaking to us through the Word of God and Paul gives us five ways that we can know the will of God. By the way, I, I see from this just this little short passage, we didn't look at the whole book, but if you look at just this short passage, you see that this church in Thessalonica, this church had problems. This church had people who were not living in peace together. This church had people who weren't working. This church had 
People who were faint-hearted, who were weak, who were exhausted, who were impatient. We, had, we see in this church that there were some people in this church who were repaying evil for evil. This church had a problem. He had more than one problem. And these are Paul's final words in this great letter, this letter of 1 Thessalonians. And he gives us several admonitions. It's like he's coming to the end of his letter and he says, oh yes, remember this, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. There's a whole bunch of things. Do not quench the spirit. Don't ignore prophecies. Don't despise prophecies. Test everything. Abstain from the appearance of evil. But what I want to zero in there is when he says, give thanks. And then he puts a qualifier on there. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, if this is just an average preacher in an average pulpit in an average church somewhere across America, and he says, give thanks in all circumstances, that does not carry the weight that it does when the Apostle Paul says it, because the Apostle Paul had been in a lot of bad circumstances. We just finished going through the book of Acts, and oh my goodness, when Paul says give thanks in all circumstances, he didn't say just bear up, stoically take it in all circumstances. No, he's saying give thanks. Have you ever wondered what the will of God is for you? It's right here. Verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wondering what the will of God is? Give thanks. There's your answer. So I think Paul has a thanksgiving message for us. I think James has a thanksgiving message for us as well. Turn to James chapter 1. One of my favorite books in the Bible. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. James chapter 1 verses 12 through 17. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And here we go, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I think James has a Thanksgiving message for us today as well. You heard from Paul, hear from James. James gives us three ways we can know more about God and His nature. James talks about trials. God's going to send us trials. And we're to be thankful for those trials. James talks about temptations. And he says, don't blame God for those temptations. Check yourself. Understand your responsibility. James also talks about good and perfect gifts. This is what he says about good and perfect gifts. Good gifts are from the Father. Good gifts show us the Father. And the emphasis in this verse, and I think you can see it, verse 17, the emphasis is not on the gifts. Now kids, we're coming to Christmas. 
And the tendency is for us to all think about the gifts that we're going to give. Sometimes we'll think about the gifts we're going to give. But remember this, the emphasis for this season is not on the gifts. The emphasis is on the Father. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Gifts help us understand the nature of the Father. In Sunday school today, we talked about Leah and Rachel and Jacob. And we talked about those difficult circumstances that they found themselves in. But oh, how clearly we can see that God loved Leah, the unlovely. And so he gave her a gift. He gave her a husband that didn't love her. And she struggled with that. And you can see that struggle through the names of her sons. God has seen me. Now my husband will love me. God has heard me. Now my husband will pay attention to me. God's given me another son. Now my husband will be attached to me. Finally, Leah realized that the gifts were not Jacob. The gifts were not the son. The gift was God himself. Good gifts help us understand the nature of our loving father. So we've heard a little bit from Paul. We've heard a little bit from James. I think Jesus has a message for us today too. In Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, if you go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is going to tell us a little bit about gifts. And forgive me, this this is a message on Thanksgiving, but as you can tell, when you talk this much about gifts, we're really talking about Christmas too. So we're ramping up. We're getting ready. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I guess one of the reasons why I love this passage is because the the acronym for ask is right there. Ask, seek, knock. I can just preach a sermon right there. We just spelled the word ask. And I think the message from Jesus for us today is about gifts. And I think Jesus is giving us three hints about gifts. Number one, Jesus talks about pursuing good gifts. And he says there's nothing wrong with pursuing good gifts. As a matter of fact, he tells us to pursue good gifts. He says ask, seek, knock. He wants to make sure you get the message here that it's okay to want Good things. I was reading about eldership this week, and the scriptures clearly say that it's a good thing to want to be an elder. Nothing wrong with it. We are made to want good things, good relationships, and Jesus says, pursue them. And he also talks about another hint I think Jesus has here for us is that we are not only to ask for good gifts, we are to give good gifts. And he talks about 
An earthly father knows how to give good gifts. I love God. My parents taught me from an early age to love Him and to seek Him, to have a relationship with Him. But it was not until I became a father that I began to understand just how much God loved me. And I wanted to give good gifts. I cared far more about giving a good gift than it, in receiving a good gift. No, oh, I still like giving, getting good gifts. I just want to make sure Weston heard that. I still love that. But I'd much rather give a good gift. Another one of my sons, Justin, who is uh, in Poland today, um, his love language is gift giving. And he loves to give good gifts. And if he has to give a gift, or gets to give a gift, I should say, to someone in our family, he'll ask around, what do you think? Do you think they would like I'm thinking about getting this for them. Do you think, you would like, think they would like that? Jesus says it's okay to pursue good gifts, but he says make sure you're giving good gifts too. And he also compares his, our earthly gifts to his heavenly gifts, and he says, hey fathers, you love your children, you want what's best for your children? That's nothing compared to what I want for you. The earthly gifts pale in comparison to the heavenly gifts. I think there are two enemies of thanksgiving that we need to be aware of. These enemies go from, on one side, too little, to the other side, too much. Two extremes, too little, too much. One of the enemies of Thanksgiving, and if you would just imagine with me a large globe that symbolizes the earth on which we live. I think one of the enemies is that we have a lack of perspective. Because if you imagine that globe and you imagine where we live, we live in one of the best countries in the world. And we live in one of the best places in that country, in the world. I don't know about you, but I did not worry at all about a roadside explosive going off on my way to church today. Did any of you guys worry about that? I don't know about you, but yesterday I did not worry one time about getting enough to eat. Did any of y'all worry about that? Millions, if not billions, do. Where we live, the country we live in, the state in which we live, the city in which we live in this state, where we live, who lives with us, our neighbors, when we live here. Because if we had been here 250 years ago, it would have been a different story. But our place in time is a unique gift from God. And part of our place in time is built on who lived here before us. We are standing on the shoulders of giants. Of men who understood the Bible, understood human nature, and crafted a document that is still in existence and still ruling us as much as we can be ruled some 250 years later. 
We have been given so much. If you have not been outside the confines of the United States of America, you have no idea what life is like for most of the people in the world. We suffer from too little perspective. That is an enemy of thanksgiving. Too little or too much. You imagine the globe in your mind to help you understand and imagine one of the enemies of Thanksgiving. Now I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about a mirror. Hold that mirror in your hand. Open your eyes. There's your next enemy of Thanksgiving. Too much self. Too much focus on you. Too much focus on me. These are two enemies of Thanksgiving. I want you to know that I am thankful. I am so thankful that God has given me the opportunity to walk alongside you here at Blackman Baptist Church. I'm so thankful for my wife, my children, my grandchildren, the crown of old age. Good friends, many of whom are right here in this church. And while I was doing some preparation for this sermon, I came across this story on, on one of the blogs that I frequent. And this story talks about a preacher from the last century. His name was Norman Vincent Peale. And he's well known for his book, The Power of Positive Thinking. In some ways, Norman Vincent Peale was sort of like the Joel Osteen of his day, if, if you understand what I'm saying. And he tells this story in his book, The Power of Positive Thinking, about a man who came to him. The man was 52 years old, and he was despondent. Everything he had built in his lifetime had been swept away. Everything is what he told Norman Vincent Peale. And Norman Vincent Peale said, everything? Everything. I've lost everything. I have nothing left at all, he said. Everything is gone, and I'm too old to start again. When Norman Vincent Peale felt that the, the man's judgment was clouded by a sense of hopelessness, and so he proposed an exercise and attitude adjustment. He handed him a sheet of paper, and he said, write down everything that you have of value. And the man said, it's no use. I told you, I have nothing left. And Norman Vincent Peale said, well, let's just see. Your wife, did, did she leave you? Well, no, the man said. Come to think of it, she's a wonderful woman. She wouldn't leave him no matter how bad things got. So Norman Vincent Peale said, write that down. Do you have any children? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I have three children, he said. And they are all standing by me through thick and thin. Norman Vincent Peale said, write that down. What about friends? Do you have any friends? Yes. The man said, I actually still do have some good friends. What about integrity? Do you have your integrity left? Yes. I have that too. Are you healthy? Yes. Write that down. How about the United States? Norman Vincent Peale asked him, do you still think that this is the land of the opportunity? And the man said, yes. He had to admit that he still believed that that was true too. The blog says Peel had made his point. Norman Vincent Peel had made his point. The man 
actually revealed to himself that indeed he had many things to be grateful for. And obviously there were many things that this man had to be grateful for. Wife, children, friends, his integrity, the United States of America. You know what was missing from that list? And what made me sad when I read that? Is that all there is? A good marriage, good children, good job. Those are good things. Those are good gifts. But is that it? What's missing from his list? There's nothing on that list about a relationship with God. There's nothing on that list about the greatest gift of all. The gift that God gave us salvation through Jesus Christ, His Son. There's nothing on that list about grace. There's nothing on that list about the gospel. And if you miss that, who cares if you got the rest of it? You have missed it all. You've gained the world. You've lost your soul. So the most important gift of all, the one thing that you should hang on to, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or any other day of the year, is the gift of Jesus Christ Christ. 